Thank you, Cole. Appreciate that. We're going to go to the book of Job tonight, Job chapter 29. Back into uh, the series, going through the book of Job. I love the way that the Lord works um, when you are going through books of the Bible, how without uh, really a long-term plan that portions of Scripture hit hit the time. Only God could do that. I mean, it's not like we're skipping over anything or trying to twist anything here. But I'm telling you what God has led us to here at this point, here in Job, going through this is, I just don't know how it could be any better uh, with what we are facing even today. We're actually going to be in Job 29 and Job chapter 30. Uh, don't get nervous. Don't get, don't get nervous. We'll, we'll, we'll make it through this. You will get out sometime tonight. That's encouraging, ain't it? Absolutely so. It, no, it, it's, we'll get on through this. Um, I'm just going to read a few verses out of chapter 29, beginning in verse number 1. And then if you'll just leave your Bible open, we'll get on through this. <clears throat> Job 29, verse number 1. Moreover... Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me. I'm going to stop there. I, I titled the message tonight, Things Are Looking Bad. Encouraging message, isn't it already, man? I mean to tell you. Things are looking bad. We'll try to get on into that, Brother John. Let's pray. Father, just one last time, we pray for your power, your boldness, your direction, and everything we say and do. Lord, our faith is in you, and we know that faith is the victory in every, every part of our Christian life. And so, Lord, I, I pray you take this portion of Scripture tonight, that certainly you would allow us to preach it, but then you would help us with it. Lord, those that are sitting under this roof and those that are watching by live stream, I pray, dear God, you'd work in our hearts and lives and assure us that you're in control no matter how things look. Things are looking bad. Lord, help us to trust you more. We pray and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Excuse me for the reading of the word of God. And please be seated. The old preacher Charles Spurgeon observed that uh, people have a tendency to treat their blessings brief, and their trials as lasting. Are you with me on this? He, he said this, We are too prone to engrave our trials in marble and to write our blessings in sand. It's quite a statement, isn't it? It really is. In chapter number 29, where we're starting out here, Job looks back over his life and begins to reflect on the better days. 
how things used to be. And he reminisces on what life had been like in the days before the old devil sucker punched him and stripped him of nearly every earthly possession that was dear to him. And doing that could have proved very helpful to Job. No, really, I mean, if he had looked and thought about the goodness of God and everything that God had done, really, it could have been very, very helpful to Job. You know, people who take time to share positive experiences of life with others are consistently happier than people who are prone to talking about their trials and troubles. I mean, come on, wouldn't you rather talk to somebody who is talking about the blessings of God instead of talking to somebody that's talk, just telling you how miserable everything is? I'm telling you, no matter, no, no, no matter how bad our day is going, God is still good. Absolutely so. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Job seems to be a lot more determined to be adding up his losses instead of counting his blessings. And in fact, in, you get on into chapter number 30, he just turns his attention to the severity of his present condition. And the whole chapter, chapter 30, the whole chapter is just spent singing the blues. I mean, he is down and out in the molly grubs. It's just terrible. A, a lifetime of blessings was forgotten a, as if they had been written in the sand. As far as Job was concerned, his trials were engraved in marble. Um, Job has no hope for the future. We see it in in chapter number 30. He really has no hopes for the future, no hopes that the joys of life will ever be his again. I mean, really, really down. And in these two chapters, chapter 29 and chapter number 30, Job demonstrates the principle that there can be a fine line between overcoming the unfairness of life or being overcome by life's unfairness. There can be a fine line in it. I'm going to say it again. There's, there can be a fine line between overcoming the unfairness of life because life is not fair. I'm going to say it again because if, if nothing else, we ought to make our young people understand that even now. Absolutely. Life is not fair. It's not fair. And so there's a fine line between overcoming uh, the unfairness of life or being overcome by life's unfairness, which we, will, which we will see for sure. And Job is leaning to the latter. He's being overcome by the unfairness of life. And, and we need to learn from him how to avoid doing that in our own lives. And I believe that he can teach us some things here, right here in the Scripture. Now, we've, we're going to start out on the good part. We're going to start out with the, the blessings that Job remembered. And, and it is really very, very good. We read there verses 1 through 5. And he remembered the way that God had protected him. Look at verse 3 again there. It says, when his candle, talking about God, when his candle shined upon my head, and and when by his light I walked uh, through darkness. Uh, Job had known God's leadership. I I mean, God had had, uh, lighted his way, if you will, and and led him through that. I I mean, Job felt like God had taken had taken these things from him. I mean, that, that, that he used to walk uh, in God's leadership, and now those things are gone. And he felt like God had just taken all that away, but Job was wrong. I mean, God was still there. And, and God was still preparing to show himself in a big way. Come on, sometimes God's silent. Sometimes it's hard to find him. Uh, sometimes the valleys are dark and deep. But I'm telling you, God's always there. He's always there. And Job felt like God was just completely gone. But God was not completely gone. It's not the case. 
Job's feelings were wrong. He felt that way, but Job's feelings were wrong. And Job was wrong to put more trust in his present feelings than in God's past faithfulness. God had been blessing him over and over throughout his life. Come on, he was a blessed man before the attack of the devil came. He was a blessed man. And, 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 and the feelings that he had now were wrong. And it was very wrong for him to put more trust in what he was feeling during this time than in God's past faithfulness. He had enjoyed the friendship of God. We see that in verse number four. As I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle or, or, or upon his life. I, I mean, he enjoyed that. Job felt very close to God back then. And, and, and he could not understand why, when, when it seemed like he needed him the most, he could not understand why God had disappeared. He couldn't understand. I, I mean, he had that friendship before. And he had experienced very rich blessings of God upon his home and upon his family. It talks about that in verses 5 and 6. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, when I washed my steps with butter and, and the rock poured, out, uh, poured me out rivers of oil. Uh, preacher, he kind of got crazy there, didn't he? Washing his steps with butter. No, no, no. He's talking about the abundance of God. No, he's talking about, man, I, I had so much milk, I could have made butter, just wash my steps with it. And man, it was like the oil that I had, and oil was a big deal back in that day. It's like the oil that I had was just coming out of a rock. I mean, God was blessing me so, so very abundantly. He had experienced this rich blessing of God. And, and so... The, ble the blessings that he'd remember, he remembered that God had protected him. But he also remember remembered the way that men had respected him back during that time when God was blessing him. Honorable men uh, had honored him. I mean, wise men had valued his counsel. No, no, look at verse number 7 there. It says, when I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me and hid themselves. The aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. I'm telling you, Job was a man that was looked up to. Job was a man that was revered in the gate of the city. I mean, Job was a wise man. He was a godly man. And people looked to him for his wisdom and listened to him. I mean, they valued his counsel. When Job entered into a room, men noticed it. When he spoke, they, they listened. God protected him and men respected him. But also he remembered the blessing of the way that others had been blessed by him. Others had been blessed by him because of his wisdom, because of his walk with God. No, no, it's not that Job thought he was a big shot. That's not what he's talking about here. He just remembers how God had blessed him, probably feeling like, I mean, no, no, back when God was blessing, he was probably feeling like, I'm not worthy of any of this. But it's an amazing thing what God has done in my life as I walk with him and has provided for me and protected me and how he has used me to help other people all along the way. And he's remembered how, how people had been blessed by him, the needy 
were blessed by his generosity. Look at verse 12. Because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I mean, God had used him in a marvelous way. Uh, The needy were blessed by his generosity. It goes on in verse number 15. I, I, I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor and the and, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of their teeth. I mean, the, he was a blessing to many people. Many were blessed, <clears throat> excuse me, many were blessed by his wisdom. On down in verse number 21, it says, Unto me, unto me, men gave ear and waited, and I kept silence, uh, and I'm sorry, and kept silence at my counsel. After my words, they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them on down to verse number 25 i chose out their way and set chief and dwelt as a king in the army as one that comforteth the mourners i'm telling you he is visiting how god had blessed him tremendously i don't think for a second brother terry that he's bragging on himself come on he's sitting there with boils all over his body his his all of his pride has been wiped away i'm telling you he's as humble as anybody could ever get but he's saying man i remember and i was blessed by god and he protected me and he provided for me and he was there for me and he helped me along the way and he gave me wisdom and 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 he and he and he, and he gave me a heart to help other people and it was amazing it was amazing how God had worked mightily in my life I mean he is reminiscing over these things and no doubt God had worked mightily in his life I mean even God himself bragged about him saying he was a perfect man and upright and a spirit evil I mean I mean to tell you even God bragged about it boy that's a great thing to think about that God would brag about you in it I mean God bragged about him And he's thinking about all these great things that God had done. There's a story of a man that was really down on his luck who was sitting in front of a soda shop one day. And just the way that he was sitting there, looking very despondent, it was evident that, that hopelessness just filled his soul. And the man who was seated inside noticed him, of course, out the window, <clears throat> excuse me. And going outside, he offered the man, he said, why don't you come on inside and let me buy you, let me buy you a milkshake and we'll just sit and talk. And, and being very grateful uh, for the man's generosity and kindness, he, he accepted. And they sat there inside that place and they enjoyed their shakes and they talked and a friendship of sorts was, was established at that time. And over the next few days, they met down at the shop and and they enjoyed a a drink or some ice cream or or a milkshake or or whatever the case may be. And that that man that invited him in always paid for it every time he'd pay for it as they they had fellowship. Excuse me. One day, that man who had paid for things was sitting in there enjoying enjoying an ice cream sundae. And the man who had been despondent, he came in and saw him sitting there and went in and sat down beside him, and he ordered a milkshake. And the two of them sat there for some time talking about but just a lot of different things, and finally the, the man that had uh, originally invited him in to buy him something, he got up and he picked up his check, and he was preparing to get out of there. 
When the other man said to him, hey, wait, 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 aren't, aren't you forgetting something? To which he replied, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. And with a big smile, the other man said, well, aren't you going to pay for my shake? And the answer came back, uh, well, no, not today. And the other man said, well, why not? I mean, you paid for all the others. To which he got the answer, friend, you've mistaken my kindness for an obligation. Job made the same mistake. What do you mean, preacher? Well, he mistook the blessings from God's hand for obligations. As if God was obligated to continue to bless him. And obligated continue to, to, to uh, uh, do all what he had done in the past. Because, because God had blessed him so greatly before, he had come to expect to be blessed like that always. He, 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 he believed goodness. He believed goodness was a debt that God owed him. Rather than a grace that God had showed him. If we're not mindful, it's easy for us to make that same mistake. God has blessed us richly. Come on, if he saved your soul, go ahead and say amen right there. He has blessed us richly. And no doubt about it, these past four years in the United States of America, as far as as temporal things go... He's blessed us richly. Things have happened. Great things have gone on. Thank God for all of those. But just because we've been blessed in the past does not mean necessarily that the blessings are going to continue. And we've got to decide whether or not we are going to keep our eyes on God. If things uh, happen to turn the other direction. And no doubt, Job's life had definitely changed. I mean, we get into chapter number 30 and we see it big time, big time. I mean, Job was mocked and he was mistreated by those that, that, that well, we have to get this. He, he was mocked and mistreated by those that he had once looked down upon. Where do you get that? What's right here? Because he describes the, his contempt for them. In verse number one, chapter 30. Look, we've already made it through, already made it through chapter 29. Somebody say amen right there. See, we're doing good. I told you, I told you. Look at verse one. But now they that are younger that I have, uh, that I have me in derision, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. So in verse number one, Job tells us that he thought more of his sheep dogs than he did of these men. Oh, come on, he's getting down on these people. I mean, they were, they were parasites. They were no prophet to others. Um, they, they were no more capable of, to provide for themselves in their old age than they, that, than they had been in their youth. Look at verse number two there. Yea, where to might the strength of their hands profit me, in whom old age was perished? I, 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 mean, I mean, they were outcast. They were living where no one else would live. They were foraging for food like 
wild donkeys in the desert. Look at verse number three. For, for want and famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bushes, juniper roots for their, their meat. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief to dwell in the cliffs of the valleys and caves of the earth and in the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed under the nettles. They were gathered together. So here he is sitting there and he's being mocked and mistreated by these people. And they continued the cycle of, of folly and their cycle of wickedness into which they had been born. He's talking about these people. Look at verse number 8. It says, They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. Um, the people that he's talking about, he's saying, look up here now for a second. He's saying, these people are mocking me. These people are. Uh, and they're scorning me. I mean, people that I looked down on at one time. Today, the group that he's talking about might be called lowlifes, um, trailer trash, uh, thugs, and other names that might demonstrate our, our contempt for such groups of people. And Job describes how they, these lowlifes, had disrespected him. Um, Job became a byword to them. Verse number 9 says that. And now am I their song? Yea, I am, I, I am their byword. What well, by word? What's that? A topic for discussion rather than something, uh, rather than someone to be pitied. I mean, they just talked about him, railed on him. Yeah, we see what's happening with Job. He thought he was so high and mighty, but look at him now. I mean, can you hear some of the conversation? And he talks about being. Uh, Spit upon, in verse number 10, they abhor me, they flee far from me, and they spare not to spit in my face. Talks about being tripped up by these people. Verse number 12, upon my right hand uh, rise the youth. They push away my feet, tripped up, and they raise up against me uh, the ways of, of their destruction. And, and, and mostly just belittled by these uh, young thugs, if you will. So while there was, there was no doubt there was those that pitied Job, this segment of society took advantage of Job's downfall to show their hatred and their contempt for him and, and, and others like him. And, and, and no doubt Job found it very humiliating to be ridiculed and abused by those that are generally considered to be the, the dregs of society. Now, let me stop here for just a second, because I don't want to cast out anything that, that I, I don't want to cast any doubt upon who we are at Riverside Baptist Church and what we're trying to do. We're doing our best to uh, reach the dregs of society. No, 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 no. I, I'm telling you, uh, folks walk in here, they look like they're down and out. They look like they're, they're, they're miles away from knowing the Lord. You know what I see? I see Bill Marshall. I see somebody that needs the Lord. 
I see somebody that God can help if they'll just yield to God. Absolutely so. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make fun of this group. I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downcast on them. I'm not. It, it's just what was going on in Job's life. Job had been up there. I mean, he had been up there. And then he fell under what he fell under. And he didn't fall under that because he was in deep sin. I mean, God opened the door for this to happen to him. Well, well why? Uh, we'll know one of these days when we get to heaven exactly why. But he did. And when Job fell after being, no, no, and he was a good man. And so he fell under all of this uh, tribulation, but it wasn't because of who he was or what he had done. I mean, it's not like he was in some horrible sin. But don't you know how that crowd looked at him? And how they talked down about him. Okay. And, and, and the point is here is that Job knows that he has done nothing wrong. And, and then all of a sudden, these people, these people that, that, that were, were uh, uh, so far away from God and just the dregs of society, if you will, now they're, they're railing on him. Okay. In, in chapter number 29, he's talking about how good God is. Then he changes gears and starts singing the blues. It's like these people that, you know, that man, I, I'm telling you, and all of a sudden these people that, you know, downcasted the, the, down, the, the down and outers of the world, now they're railing all on me. I, I mean, I, I'm just trying to bring out, I'm not doing a very good job of it, but I'm just trying to bring out how Job was having this huge pity party. And he's saying, even those people are looking down on me and talking bad about me and treating me bad all along the way. Because see, Job had lost his sense of well-being. Look at, look at verse 15. We're, 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 time is going good. Look at verse 15. It says, terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passeth away as the cloud. So his peace of mind... Get this, please get this. This, this. His peace of mind had been replaced with fear. Come on, God brings great peace, doesn't he? The peace that passes understanding. We get our eyes off of God. We get our eyes off the blessing of God. And pretty soon we're consumed by fear. I mean, it'll take us over. It can ruin our life. I mean, it, it can wreck us. It can ruin us. No, no, his peace of mind had been replaced with fear. And his soul knew no comfort, but had been poured out in grief and poured out in anguish. We see that in verse number 16. And now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. I mean, his soul knows no comfort now. And his physical condition was so bad. His physical condition was so bad that it deprived him of the benefits of even sleeping. If even sleeping, can you imagine trying to sleep with all those boils all over your body? And he talks about that in verse 17. My bones are pierced in me in the night season. My sinews take no rest. I mean, man, he's in such bad shape. He can't even sleep. He's replaced in fear. Nothing can comfort him. I mean, he's in bad shape. If he had stayed in chapter 29 just talking about the goodness of God, well, preacher, you know, you act like you just, you would be, no, 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 I'm not trying to act like anything because I've never suffered the things that he suffered. And so I'm not trying to act like, well, I'll tell you what I would do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to read the Bible and, and show you what the Bible says. Well, he was in such bad shape. What's he supposed to do? He's supposed to keep his eyes on God. 
Come on, no matter what he's going through. Boy, I don't think this is getting through. I'm telling you, he's supposed to keep his eyes on God. Look, in my travels and the people we have met throughout the, uh, throughout the years in different places all along the way, we have met some people that have been in very, very terrible shape. I mean, health-wise, terrible shape. Financially-wise, terrible shape. Lost, lost family members, even multiple family members at the same time. We've met people like that in churches. And, and, and we've met people that have gone through such thing, and we're going through such thing, and man, by the time you talked to them for about 10 minutes, they had lifted your spirits, talking about how good God had been, and how God was sustaining them, and how God was making the way. Come on, all of us have problems. All of us have difficulties. All of us go through trials. Uh, there are times when it gets dark out there. And even as I said earlier, there's time it seemed like God's just kind of silent. But I'm telling you, God's still there, and He's still good, and, and He's still in control. And, and we have to keep our eyes upon Him. We have to keep our thoughts upon Him. And if He saved your soul, no doubt you're a blessed person. But if He saved your soul, He's done more than that too. I mean, He has blessed you along the way, and He's helped you along the way, and He's strengthened you along the way, and He's comforted you along the way. And I'm telling you, when things seem bleak and when things seem down, what we need to do is we need to focus on the one that is still there for us. Absolutely so. We can't get it. We can't get all down and out when God is still there. And even when, well, it doesn't seem like God's working in my life. He's working in your life, even when we can't see it. Even when we can't explain it. Well, I don't know why I'm going through this, preacher. Well, I can't always give you a good reason for things either. But I'm telling you, we have to keep our eyes on Him. We have to keep our thoughts on Him. I mean, I mean, the devil loves to play with our mind, doesn't he? And it's almost like from chapter 29 to chapter 30, the old devil whispered in Job's ear and said, Well, yeah, God's done all that, but where is he now? Look where you are now. Ain't doing so good now, are you, buddy? No, no, no. Come on. We know this. The devil loves to mess with our mind, to plant thoughts in our mind, to make things seem a lot worse than they are, or just to make us dwell on things that are bad. But we do well when we dwell on things that are right and good, because God is always right and God is always good. And so I'm telling you, he, it, it, things had turned around. Job's confidence in God, please get this, Job's confidence in God had been shaken. That's a bad place to be. No, no, when we lose our confidence in God, it's destroyed homes, it's destroyed marriages, it's destroyed children, it has destroyed churches. When we lose our confidence in God. Our confidence has to be in God. I'm thankful for all the godly people I know, Brother Mike. I'm thankful for all the godly people I know. But I'm telling you, if I don't keep my eyes on the Lord, godly people can fail you. It lost his confidence in God. His confidence in God had been shaken. He believed that God had abandoned him. And had no use for him anymore. No, look at verse 19. Come on, stay with me. We're getting close. Verse 19. He hath cast me into the mire. Talk about God. He hath cast me into the mire. And I become like the dust and the ashes. God's abandoned me. I, he has no use for me anymore. 
Come on, can't you hear him? I mean, he's just getting lower and lower. The more he talks about it, the more he thinks about it, the more he thinks wrong. I mean, just getting lower and lower. And he was also convinced that God was just ignoring him completely. Look at verse number 20. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. God's not even listening to me. Oh, he is. Well, why didn't he answer me? He doesn't have to. He was convinced that God was just completely ignoring him. In fact, he went on to, no, 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 he went on to excuse God, uh, excuse, he went on to accuse God of being cruel to him. Look at verse 21. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand thou opposest thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it and dissolvest my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death. And to the house appointed for all living. Now hold on. Look up here now. Look up here again. We know that none of that is true. Oh come on. You've read the book of Job right? I mean from the front to the back. You see the ending of all of it. We know that none of that is true. But it's definitely. Get this. Get this. Get this. But it's definitely how Job felt. No the feeling. The feeling he had was real. The feeling. That is definitely how he felt. But none of it was true. Feelings can be very real, but they're not always reality. He was praying like he'd never prayed before. He, he was looking for God to do what he knew only God can do. And it did not seem as though God was doing anything at all to help him. It didn't seem like God was doing anything. That's the way he felt. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, God does his deepest work in our darkest hours. Well, that's quite a quote. That'd be a good one for you to write down in your Bible. You may need that one of these days. God does his deepest work in our darkest hours. Another Bible commentator said this, when God remains silent, I want you to get this, listen carefully. When God remains silent in answer to our urgent cries, it is not that he does not hear, excuse me, but rather that it is somehow necessary For us to cry in vain and wait in hope until he achieves in us and in his world what he wills to achieve. What what is God trying to do in my life? I, I, I don't know for sure. But I'm telling you, if it seems like he's silent, not answering, he's trying to achieve something. And maybe it's just to increase our faith. The trying of our faith worketh patience. I don't know why God would be so cruel. God's not cruel. Here's what happens too many times. I really do believe 
here's what happens too many times. We give up on God. I'm not getting the answers I want. Um, okay, so what are you going to do? I mean, there's only two choices. Either you just quit, or you just keep on trusting God and crying out to Him and trusting that He's there and that He is working and that He is trying to do something in your life that only He can do. And you just keep crying out to Him and trusting Him. Knowing that He is there because He is there. And in time, please get this, in time, in God's time, God will answer. Come on, we know that in God's time, God was going to answer Job's prayer and restore his life. Come on, we know that. You and I do because we read the book. I mean, we have that. God's, God's silence was not a denial of Job's request. No, 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 no. Nor did it even nullify Job's faith. It, it didn't. But it did demand a trust that Job no longer seemed, get this, it did demand a trust that Job no longer seemed willing to give. No, he's at that place. That he just thought God was just completely against him. His hope had dissolved to a place where he expected no sympathy from anybody. Look, look at verse 25. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? Uh, look at verse 28. I went out mourning. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried in the congregation. Nothing from anybody. No sympathy. And really at this point, stay with me here, at this point, he expected, he expected no recovery from everything he had gone through, from all the troubles he had gone through. He, no, no, he wasn't expecting anything at this point. Look at verse number 26. When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My, my bowels boiled and rested not. The days of my affliction prevented me. Let's go down to verse uh, 30. My skin is black upon me. My, my bones are burned with heat. This is the end. Nothing good is going to ever happen again. I can't believe God has forsaken me like this and left me here in this terrible shape. No, no, come on, man. That's, that's where he's at. And it's really sad because he never expected to be happy again. Where do you get that? Verse 31. My harp also is turned to mourning. My organ into the voice of them that weep. It's like he's given up. Man, God has been so good to me in the past, in the days of my youth, and blessed me so so abundantly, and things were so good. And man, I'm telling you, God has been good to me. Uh, oh, but look now. Yeah. 
Oh, things are looking bad. What do I do now? Well, you do in the bad the same thing you were doing in the good. You trust God. And you keep your eyes upon Him. And you continue to, you continue to uh, uh, call out to Him. And hold on to Him. And know that He is there no matter what. Here at the end of this, Job seems to be trying to figure out what the rest of his life was going to hold for him. What in the world? Where's this going to go from now? I mean, Job knew that, that, that he had lived right. He knew that he had lived right. He knew that he was living the right life when all this started in on him. So why had his life turned out so wrong? We already know the answer to that question because we have inside information. We have information that Job and his friends did not have. We know that for, for whatever reason that God said, have you considered my servant Job? But, but like Job, at, at times... Um, we don't always have the answers that we want. I mean, and it's not necessarily that we, we lost all of our wealth and lost all of our health and, and that, uh, you know, that our spouse tells us to curse God and die. I'm not saying that your troubles aren't real. But most people have had, not had the troubles of Job and still yet, they want to deny that God's still working. Preacher, do you think that God's just forsaken the United States of America? Nope. Nope. Because there's a lot of believers in the United States of America. No, I don't believe He's forsaken us. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, God knows. I'm not going to let it get me down. What, do you like the way things turned out? Nope. I don't. But I know who's ultimately in control. And I know we can trust him. Look, there's not anyone that really, no, 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 just like Job's friends tried to, there's not anyone that can really tell us why our trials have come. Or, or how hard they are going to get, or how long they're going to last. I mean, no, no, get this. For, for some, trials last a lifetime. But so does the goodness of God. You know, with what took place in our country today, <laughs> we may not have the same blessings we've enjoyed in the past. In the past four years. I can remember 12 years ago. Standing before the congregation. Around this time of year. And saying. We're going to trust God. And we're going to pray for our president. And we're going to expect God to see us through that. And for eight years we did that. We endured and we prayed, and we kept coming to church, and we kept telling people about Jesus, 
And we kept supporting missionaries around the world. And we saw God do great things. And then we saw a ray of light four years ago. And things shaped up. And they were a lot better than they had been. And a lot of good laws were passed, which I don't know if they'll be wiped off the books immediately or not. I I don't know. I'm telling you, God is still in control. And He's still there. And He's going to see us through this. He may just take us home. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Not at all. God is still as good as He's always been. We know this. Circumstances can drastically change. Circumstances can drastically change. They can change overnight. They can change with a phone call. I mean, circumstances in our life, they can drastically change. But God is always the same. And His Word is always true. Always true. Charles Spurgeon said, The God who has been sufficient until now can be trusted to the end. And it's just a fact. So let me finish with this. Never doubt in the hard days the goodness of God you experienced in the better days. You know, sometimes, Brother John, we just have to go back and think about the better days. Truly. No, no, it's a lot better than dwelling on bad things that are happening in your life. Think about how good God has been to you. And how He has helped you at other times. And that He is still there and still working. And that we can trust Him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Who also will do it. Our faith isn't in the White House. Our faith is in the one, is in the one who is ultimately under control of everything. Remember to write your blessings in marble, in the marble, and to write your trials in the sand, where they'll quickly disappear. Remember the blessings of God. And He has blessed us abundantly. I mean, if Jesus is your Savior, the trials of this life are only temporary. And think about this, the blessings that you experience in this life are only the tip of the iceberg of all that God has in store for us for eternity. (laughs) Mercy. God is good all the time. Things are looking bad, but God is faithful. Let's keep our eyes on Him. Church, let's keep our eyes on Him. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Bible. We're thankful for the hope that we can draw from Your Word. And we're thankful that whether we see it or not, You are always working in our world, in our lives. Lord, You're always there. And I I don't know. There may be some going through trials even now that I know nothing about. I pray for them, Lord. I lift them up to you and ask that you would help them to plant their eyes, their mind, their thoughts firmly upon you and what you have done good in their life, saving their soul and many other things, I'm sure. 
And, and I pray, dear God, that even as we move forward in 2021 and on into the years ahead, Lord, that we would uh, focus upon you, your goodness to us, that we would, busy about, we would be busy about your work. And Lord, we would trust you no matter what, what might come, no matter what might happen in the days ahead, that we would know you are there, you are in control, and that you're going to see us through it. Father, help us. Help our faith to grow. Lord, help us to keep our hope in you always. We'll thank you and praise you for the help that you provide and the help you've already provided. For We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.